I have ever hurled at you that one that one bothers you Barry we don't have enough time to get into why <laughs> Barry that is a question for your therapist yeah really no it's because it, I'm not now I mean I'm in my 20s yes absolutely <laughs> I are the tales she just made the joke because you lit you are the one I put up that background with all those boobs and you were the one who literally cannot focus you can't <laughs> it is so funny because you you say it every time god damn kirsten i just can't and let's it's be clear hilarious. background full of boobs it was not a picture of us this time mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> welcome folks to geek shock number 612 i am master torgo 80s jeff <laughs> commander k back tech dandy vlarg <laughs> We're here to talk weak and geek and vlog strange proclivities. Where the, hell is, where the hell is Red Card Deb? Old uh, slide uh, tackle? Yeah, she's not here. <laughs> and and Barry, did you lose your doctorate? Because you don't use the doctor moniker anymore. You know, th- you're the first to notice that. And let me tell you something about that. That was for Star Trek The Experience. Because I knew so much about how to like build and operate a starship that I took the doctor moniker just so that people, when they showed up, would ask me questions and whatnot about it. And uh, that was the only reason. Now I just, I just dropped it. Mm. In other words, he's not a real doctor. <laughs> no, not a real doctor, unless you want to play doctor with me, in which case you better uh, donate a lot to Ko-Fi. Kofi. Uh, listen, I listen, I don't play doctor with anyone who's oversexed. Right. I'm not the... <laughs> oversexed, <laughs> overpaid, and over here. hey None of those things. <laughs> I want to put a big shout-out and thank you to all of our Kofi members, and I want to put a big shout-out and thank you to you, listener for listening to another wonderful episode of geek shock and the biggest way that all of you can help us out is if you go to your favorite podcast aggregator and if they have some sort of review system please put a review out there for us it really really helps us a lot now before we continue on i do want to uh, do a little special thing for our kofi members that are on the brisket taco and higher. This is now the time to give away a mini. The mini that I painted for this month. Woohoo! So, so you saw pictures of it, the Kofi members, and I put I think it puts them up there in our social media as well. So it's the yeah, it's the uh, the wizard with the with the glowing skull on the staff and the sword pointing out Tim, I believe he was named. So I have here a uh, randomized in this little bucket all the names that are eligible to win. Now, if you are an international member, we do not do free shipping internationally. So if you do win, we will have to figure out some way of getting it to you, whether we set it somewhere free in the United States so you can get it some way that way, or we can work out something else. But if you win this, 
and are part of the continental 48 states. Yeah, well, I'm going to ship this to you for free. So the mini oh, is fuck, done. It's protected. Fuck Alaska. What's that? Fuck Alaska. Fuck Hawaii. Uh, uh, basically, yeah, basically Hawaii. Yeah, there. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, we have overhead, goddammit. <laughs> it's overhead. Right. Like, oversexed. So, oh my God. <laughs> no one's oversexed in this group. <laughs> no one. I can say that with authority. With authority. But not with a doctor. Not a doctor. And the winner of the mini for this month, the winner of Tim, is Snoop2. Snoop2, congratulations. Snoop2, 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 Snoop2. For winning this month's mini. Now, soon I'll be starting the next one. So that'll be finished by the end of this month. And of course, I'll post pictures of it as I'm painting it so you can see uh, its transformation from black and white to super technicolor. The Geek Shock Book Club. Uh, well, this month it's a tie. You voted equally for two books. So you get to choose either Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury or Cryptonomicon by Neil Stevenson. Uh, two very, very different books. So choose your pleasure or both if you're nasty. And then the discussions will open up on the 8th. And speaking of opening up, let's talk about what geeky things we did this week. And so, Andy... What did you do this week slash month? All right. So, yeah, month. I've been gone a while. Um, a lot of stuff, but I'll narrow it down to uh, I fell into a YouTube rabbit hole. I watched a whole bunch of Ryan George stuff, the guy that does uh, that does uh, pitch meeting. He does a bunch of other stuff now, too. So I watched that, and my, my brother was over, and we watched. He, he introduced me to the world's smartest game show, which is Only Connect. It's a British game show. And uh, watch it if you want to feel really, really dumb. It's just... The brainiest goddamn game show. Uh, mix it with a few dumb jokes, which is weird, but it's just, yeah, just the there's whole episodes on YouTube. Watch it, you'll you'll feel dumb. And then with the clearing the pile, which I did to my poor brother, I made him watch. Okay, it. okay, I, I need to back you up because you only told us <laughs> a barely a smidgen about what what is that game show? It's two groups it of three people, and then there's lists of. Things you've got to connect. They give you you give one word and they say, uh, no, we don't got to go to the next word. No, no, no. And it's just really weird, obscure things. Like there'll be a list of places, and it's alphabetical by the capital of the of the place. So you got to you got to figure out how to put them in order for that. It's just you've got to have a brain going on. It makes me feel the British people are smarter. And I thought it was just because you know there are a lot of questions about cricket players and stuff that I wasn't getting it. And then one of the questions involved putting a bunch of U.S. states in order by size. I'm like, nope, not that's the, that, that's the uh, cultural stuff. They're smarter. So <laughs> I so I cleaned my palate and ruined my brother's brain by making him watch a couple episodes of The Floor is Lava, which is the world's dumbest game show, and yet incredibly hard to not watch. It's a salted peanuts kind of show. Have you, have you seen this show? No, tell me about The Floor is Lava. It's, it's uh, They've got a giant room uh like 60 by 20 full of weird oversized furniture which is slightly padded so don't kill yourself and you're trying to get from one side of the room to the other and you're there's three different teams racing they're not all in the room at the same time but they're racing for time and if they uh fall into the off the furniture they fall into the lava which is uh, a secret recipe apparently it's not water because when it splashes on them, it sort of clings to the outside of the clothes and doesn't soak in. 
but it's also slippery. It's just a thing you probably don't want to fall into, but it's it's got lights under it, so it looks like it's glowing, and uh, and uh, it's just an insane show. It sounds a lot like the Frogger game show that came out. Yeah, I didn't see the Frogger game show, but I, I always think it's sort of like that that golf show you guys are watching. It sounds like a a, a a handshake friend, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. Uh, also, tooling around YouTube, I came across a like a forty five minute uh, mini documentary about how Space nineteen ninety nine came to be, and it came to be because it's the same guys that did Thunderbirds and all the Super Marination stuff, but they also did live action weird ass UFO. That's it, and that's how. They 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 would do and they would do a season and then try and get the Americans to buy it and they wouldn't so they do a season of something else. So they did a season of UFO, and somehow that picked up some buzz on American TV. So they're going to do a second season and then that buzz dropped off, and so they took all the props they were building for the second season of UFO, and put it into Space 1999. Uh, like among the things they had to do to make the show work is they had to get rid of anything happening on Earth. That's why the moon is flying off into space is because they had to work with the sets they built for the, the extra sets they'd built for UFO, but without using UFO sets, which they had already trashed. Uh, and UFO, I watched an episode of that and it's bug nuts. That's uh, uh, it's just it's possibly more sexist than Austin Powers. If that makes any sense, it's just weird. Which is, I mean. and, and and actually, watching UFO, you you might think you had stumbled across um, Austin Powers, right? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's there's a moon base, or is it moon base or a satellite base? I think it's a moon base. Moon base. It's in UFO, and I only watch an episode or two, so I don't know why. But all the women on there have blue hair. I don't know why all the women on the blue hair have blue hair, and the turkey is ready on all of them. Yeah, they're tanned and have uh, purple wigs. And protruding nipples. It was a different time. Yeah. It was. It's a very weird show. So that was my my, my YouTube thing. And then I went to, when I was down in North Carolina at the fair, uh, I went to a store I'd been to last year called Ollie's, which apparently only exists in 50 states. It's kind of like Big Lots, but much cooler. They have like graphic novels, like four bucks, four or five bucks. They have uh, uh, a bunch of games. They have a bunch of weird toys. I was in there looking today. I was in, well, I found out there's an always in Connecticut. So I went to that one, which was like 20 miles from my dad's house. And I went and bought a couple of weird games, including the uh, Rick and Morty Close Recounters of the Rick Kind, which is the one of the several uh, Rick and Morty games built on the same engine as DC Deck Building. More or less. The same engine, but some twists. But yeah, so I also picked up a Rick and Morty, uh, the Morty Zone, which is a dice game that's kind of cool. Um, the the uh, Dice Masters game, which I was intrigued by when I saw it come out, but not so intrigued to buy it, but had it there at discount. So I bought, I spent 60 bucks to buy five games, uh, wow. which, which would have cost about 120 bucks new or not discounted. Oh, I got Strike Teams, which is a HeroClix strategy game, which sounds kind of like a mix between HeroClix and Gloomhaven. It has uh, that kind of thing where you can go through and level up your character and stuff. Just to be weird, I picked up Attack of the Jelly Monster, which looks like it spreads out to a pretty huge space on your table in your 
flinging dice and throwing stuff like that. Attack of the Jelly Monster. Yeah. I like the name. Yeah, me too. It's got some cool art. It's very purple and and yeah, it's it's uh, it almost looks like my friend Warren Wusenich. Always is not available in the West. It seems looking at all the stores, they seem to be almost all in the uh, Southeast. They almost sound you know they North Carolina is kind of the center of it, I think. But most of them are like you know Texas, Maryland, Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Virginia. But yeah, it's 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 sort of the supercharged version of Big Lots. Yeah, especially if they got caves in it. Yeah. I know we went there, when, the first time we went there, two years, two or three years ago, for the North Carolina Fair, was because one of our compressors broke. So we got graphic novels and a compressor in the same store. Sounds useful. Yeah. All right, that's it. I'm good. <laughs> that's, that's the highlight of your last month, huh? Well, I mean, I've been busy. I've been doing. I've been doing characters at two big fairs. I've, they were very busy. Every fair I've done this year has been uh, insanely busy. They've, there's been days where I've gone nonstop. Well, most of the days have been pretty much nonstop. There's a period of time at the Big E where, in a three-day period, I did 212 faces. So Damn. it's pretty much nonstop from the minute you sit down till till. Until you kick them out, until the, the people are lining up behind you and you're saying, the fair is closed, I can't draw you anymore, security's, gonna be, the security's walking over right now to tell me not to draw you. There's a last call for caricatures at the fair. Oh, there is. At the fair, that's that's fair amazing. Closed. Yeah. <laughs> now, some of the fairs don't have a last call, or not a very hard last call. Uh, the Biggie's pretty adamant about it. The most adamant is the Miami fair, which uh, they set up a bunch of security guards with a golf cart with an AK-47 and then cruise around the thing, kicking everybody out. Excuse me, what? Really? They, with they, an AK? What? Armed it's guard not... kicking everybody out of the fair. Probably an AR-15. Yeah. You're, you're right, AR-15. Sorry. <laughs> not a, not a, what did I say? AK-47? Wow. Yeah. Same goddamn thing. I know. It's no, no, it is no. not. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's a goddamn machine gun. Oh, it's not such a machine gun. Oh. gun then. Don't don't get on me, guns. I'm sorry. So some kind of gun that Andy was scared of. Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, please don't email us. We don't need to know the difference between the AR-15 and AK. We know there's a big difference. Okay. I played Time? Call of Duty. I know. <laughs> I, I'm curious, Andy. How 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 much touching up do you have to do when you're in the Midwest to to alter features so that people don't look completely. Uh, Ugly? I don't know. Uh, I was gonna say trashy. <laughs> uh, it's having 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 known a lot of the people that I grew up around. <laughs> I love working the fairs, but the fairs attract uh, a certain kind of people, and so you draw them all the same because they are you're very similar people in many of the fairs. Everybody yeah. is beautiful in their own way. Jeff Ray Stevens told us so. Mm. The people you just Iowa. lost us the American Midwest. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Right. <laughs> I am the American Midwest. <laughs> there you the go. People in Iowa, the people in Iowa are as nice as it can be, but there's a lot of uh, of uh, sort of little piggy upturned noses and uh, green eyes. And that's just the way that it is. This is a lot of people with similar faces. <laughs> what is happening on this show right now? <laughs> They're the nicest people in the world. And couldn't wow. Be oh, can that be our episode title? Little Piggy Iowa? No, draw, draw, draw me like you draw one of your Midwest girls. <laughs> that came Andy, up a lot. Andy, draw me like you draw one of your little piggies. 
Yeah, <laughs> it actually came up a lot. That must have been on most people must have been watching a lot of uh, Titanic on uh, on Netflix <laughs> or something. That sounds like people, said that several more times than they usually do. That usually comes up once or once at a fair, but three or four times a fair, somebody was talking about making a joke about drawing like your French people. I'm like, I can do that after hours. So I'll be there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy. Uh, Jeff, aside from hating people at the Midwest, what else do you do this week? I don't hate everyone in the Midwest. <laughs> no, just the ugly ones. <laughs> no, just more, you know? more of the, the hickish people that are very close-minded. But that's a whole other point of discussion. I have, to, I, I have to derail for just a second here. Get it. Get it. Andy, Barry, coming from the East Coast, when I was a kid in New York, the Midwest was... Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, all that were part of the Great Plains states. Yep. Now, I'm really fascinated by the fact that Jeff includes himself in the Midwest, and I wanted to ask, first of all, do I have it wrong? Or second of all, is that is that really how you guys put it, Jeff, out there? Can I just ask that? Uh, I can actually I can answer this if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, the plain states are are so messed up that they want to be the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't worked before. Yet, so, uh. The, the official the official states of the Midwest are um, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Michigan, Ohio, Mississippi. No, wait, sorry, not Mississippi. Jeff just got one of those uh, 50 states puzzles and dumped it out. <laughs> He's just shuffling them around right now. North Dakota, it's, South it's Dakota, great. Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri. Missouri? Michigan. Yes, Missouri is still considered part of the Midwest, yes. Uh, Kirsten, well, it's, it's, I disagree entirely with Jeff. What you said is right. There's the Great Plains states, and there's the Midwest, and the yeah. Midwest does not recognize the Plains states because they fucked. According to Wikipedia, it's it's he's, he, Jeff is pretty right. Uh, not Oklahoma though, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's a big clump of stuff. Uh, everything east of Colorado and north of Oklahoma that is in Pennsylvania. In Kentucky, the obvious southern. That sounds state. about right. That sounds about right. That <clears throat> when I move, you say East Coast people. Keep in mind, I was thirteen goddamn years old when I moved from New Jersey. So everything north of Oklahoma to me, that's not California and Washington and Oregon, is the Midwest. So I don't know. Well, I was just wondering what if, if you remembered from school. <laughs> no, because yeah, no, it uh, this is. The, there was a hard line between the Midwest and the Great Plains, the Plains states, and where I was educated. Well, a lot of the Great Plains states are part of the Midwest, but they're their own subset because Midwest doesn't like them. It's very flat, and once you start getting into like the Rocky Mountains, that's that's essentially where the divide is. I was just curious. Okay, yeah. So Jeff, instead of Wanting to be part of the Midwest. What else do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were part of the Midwest too, sir. So, oh, I, I yeah, Indiana's smack dab in the middle of it. I'm glad yep. to be away. The biggest thing I did uh, is I binged Another Life season two. 
because I had completely forgotten that it had launched like a week or two ago on Netflix. And I started watching it, and then I started watching it, and then, you know, ended up basically watching the whole thing in like a day and a half. It's 10 episodes. They range from like 37 minutes to 47 minutes per episode. I really liked the first season. This season was very interesting. I'm trying to skirt around being spoilerific if people want to watch it since it's only been out a couple of weeks. And, and as with Netflix, it's not a, you know, wait, watch one and then wait a week series. It's all the episodes, all 10 episodes are already available. But I definitely recommend checking it out. This season had a different feel, and I don't know if it's just because of them having to deal with COVID protocols or, or what, but um, had a slightly different feel to it, but still entertaining. And then, of course, staying with the Netflix thing, I noticed that Lock and Key Season 2 has already launched, and I didn't even... I, I don't remember reading anywhere that it had already launched, so I got to watch the first episode and about 10 minutes of the second episode before, unfortunately, I had things I had to do to get ready for the podcast tonight, so I couldn't finish the second episode. But Lock and Key, continuing right off of the finale from the previous season, so... I, I'm very hopeful that they continue uh, that kind of string of really awesome episodes like they had from last year. Barry, what'd you do this week? Okay, I didn't do, just do this week. I, I've been away from for a little while. I didn't so, notice. Uh, yeah, you didn't notice at all. Shut up. I uh, hate you. Um, I've been busy trying to get to Vegas to get closer to you, Torgo. Uh, uh. I know because that's mellow. my goal. That's my goal in life to live closer to you. Uh, and I'm me. trying. I'm really trying. But uh, I only have a couple things to mention uh, because I've been so busy with selling a house and doing stuff like that. Uh, I, w- I did watch the first couple episodes of Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, my. Now, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And I, 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 I figured, okay, well, why not? Let's give it a shot. Yes, I understand it's a Nickelodeon series. I understand it's not for me. It's not targeted to me. It's targeted to kids. Yeah. But God, is it targeted to kids. And it's targeted to kids in the wrong way. And I remember uh, being a kid. It wasn't that long ago. Shut up. Um, but it was. Uh, I, as a kid, would also hate it, hate it as much as I hated this now. It's that omission of, uh, how do I put this? Like everyone knows you're doing something wrong or something's missing and, 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 and you're just not telling everyone else. And, uh, and, and it causes oh. the trauma in the show. You mean the Berlanti verse uh, rules? Yeah, pretty much. So okay. there it is. And uh, like the, the main character, the guy that you're supposed to to relate to is a jerk off and, and doesn't listen to anyone else and doesn't want to do what everyone else wants to do. And yeah, of course, it's a kid's show. Everyone comes back at the end and it's all good. But it drives me absolutely insane. It is, is impossible to watch as an adult. So I really, I, I really don't like it, but I kind of have to watch it. I, I, I feel like I have to watch it because it's a Star Trek show, you know? He's, he's hate watching it because he identifies too much with the lead character that he's no, doing right now. I hate watch it because I, I don't identify with anyone in the show, but, but, but because it's a Star Trek show, I kind of want to stay aware of what's going on in the universe. 
That's I'm, different. I'm, in the pie chart chart of your 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 mental makeup, how much of you figure is made up of just pure hate? Oh no no! You guys said it best before. I hover. I I I I move back and forth between neutral evil and chaotic evil and chaotic neutral. I'm somewhere in the middle there. You you all had it right a few episodes ago. I, I just don't like this show. On a similar vein. Uh, this week, I started watching an episode of Clone Wars, and it was really juvenile, and it was, was kind of like the worst episode of Clone Wars that I'd seen. Then I realized I was watching Star Wars Prodigy. Oh! Star Trek Prodigy. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the first half of the first episode. I, I still plan on finishing. I just, it was time to go to bed. Uh, I agree with you. It's, 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 it's not for us. It's not meant for us, but it's... It feels more like it belongs in the Star Wars universe than the Star Trek universe. And, and I'm feels- talking the Clone Wars era universe. And and by Clone Wars, you mean season one, the worst yes. series. Of, yeah, yeah. See, it was season one Clone Wars at best. Yeah. At best. But, so, but you know what? Season one of Clone Wars became something wonderful. So we're hoping this becomes something wonderful. But in this time, in this age, we can't wait. For we can't be the people who say, "Oh, you know what? Season one was shit, but you got to power through." We can, we can't afford that anymore. There's there's too much media it. out there, you know. <laughs> so sorry, so sorry to Bonnie Gordon, who you know, Bonnie Gordon used to work at Star Trek Experience and is now the uh, the voice of the computer. But two episodes in, I'm not impressed. I'm gonna give it a third. I'm hoping it's better. So we'll see. Again, it's not meant for me, but still. And then the other thing I did was prepare for Minecraft 118. Minecraft talk! Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, Torgo just grimaced for a second. but No, no, no. Was, it, it just hit me with force. That's all that was. Yeah. No, no. I still love Minecraft. I'm just not there. Okay, so we haven't been doing shit in Minecraft 117, we've just been kind of been floundering around. There's not been an economy, which is why Torgo's not there, because he likes an economy, and I'm right there with you, man. But we've been, like, waiting for 118 to come out, and it will in, like, December or January, whenever they decide to get off their ass and do it. And I've been prepping, and I have this build giant build that I've been making for this roulette game, and it's just huge. I, I, I'm impressed with what I've done, um, and uh, it's going to be great come 118. And if you, listener, decide to join uh, the Shock Monkey Army and subscribe, you too can be a part of the uh, uh, the Minecraft server and have lots of fun with us because Minecraft is fun, and you get to annoy Torgo, which is the best fun. I, I annoy back. He does annoy back. <laughs> Video proof of this. So Minecraft, once it goes to 118, is open to all Kofi members at all tier levels. That's absolutely true. And I'm going to be doing videos again and the whole business. Um, Because right now there's not a point because we're just kind of testing out for 118. Uh, But it's coming soon and uh, it's going to be great. That's what I've been doing. That and trying to sell the house and get to Vegas as soon as possible to annoy Torgo the best of my ability he can do it so well from far away i don't know why he needs to get closer no needs to be in person he needs to be close enough to lick you yes oh jesus christ andy
I have proof they, of this. I, I went through some old YouTube videos, and the YouTube video for the fifth, 500th episode, you licked me. You're a good point. I did. Ha-ha! Because <laughs> I, I knew it would hurt you. I forgot that. <laughs> I, I still remember when you took the sacred D20 into your mouth. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> so much. That was a great. That was a great time. And I've had to bless that thing so many times to get that out of it. <laughs> and it's only because I didn't have enough time to put it in my butt. That's really it. Well, if you'd swallowed it, it would have eventually been in your butt. Good point. Good point. I would Cor- have waited for it to come. <laughs> <laughs> and he's following Todd around with a bucket. <laughs> Worst yes. game ever. Find the magic die. Supernatural, except for that the dice are supernatural, and uh, my d20 is sacred to me. And that son of a bitch Torgo put it in his mouth and almost ruined all of it. But I had to bless <laughs> the way I know how with lots of whiskey and, uh, and take it back. So now it's blessed again, and he's not allowed to touch it. It's right there. I know where it is at all times. I'll find it. It's right there. It's right next to me. Don't forget, you live with Deb. I have a co-conspirator. Deb would never do that because she oh, knows that it's the would. only piece of religion I have. <laughs> only. Uh, I didn't have a lot of room to do a lot in these last couple of weeks. I want to apologize for my not being there last week, but I want to put a big thank you to you, Jeff, for putting together a great show last week and hurting all of the cats that are your co-hosts. So good job, Jeff. Oh, thank you. All I really had time to do, aside from doing a little bit of painting for some commission work, is to finish off the audiobook for that Jim Henson biography. And a, a terrific, amazing read. Uh, if you're into Jim Henson, the Muppets whatsoever... It's just, the book's called Jim Henson. It's by Brian J. Jones. It's read by Kirby Hayborn, which does a really good job of doing Muppet voices while he reads. So it's a very entertaining read. Uh, but through the read, I learned that Jim Henson is absolutely my spirit animal. That, that man, I can't look up to somebody enough. Uh, when I got to the end of the book, where, of course, Henson succumbed to a random fucking illness. Yeah. I wept openly listening to that book for about a half an hour of listening to that book when it goes into all of the what they did for Jim afterwards, the things post life that his family dealt with with him. I was just overcome. I can't think of the last time a book made me cry like that. Any kind fiction. And this is nonfiction, for goodness sakes. Uh, it's just a beautifully put together biography of a beautiful man. I mean, the, w- one of the things that absolutely just shows what kind of guy that he was, uh, he had a, an employee that had a daughter with cystic fibrosis. And when the Henson Company's insurance company stopped covering cystic fibrosis, he switched insurance companies and found one that would Wow! for that one employee. That's who Henson was. He's a, a, and it just was an internal optimist whose most important thing was the art, the art of, of puppetry and elevating it to a level so where it was no longer seen as something just for children. 
while still helping to create Sesame Street, one of the greatest children's shows of all time. Just an amazing, amazing man. So if he's ever interested you at all, check it out. It's just called Jim Henson by Brian J. Jones. Brian J. Jones also did the definitive biography for George Lucas, if you're interested as well. So it's a he's a biographer that knows his geek cred salt. And it's a thick tome. The audiobook was 24 hours long. Yikes. So that's why it took me so long, because I'm listening to it on the way to and from work and in the shower and while I'm painting, and that's about it. Wow. Uh, so that's basically all I really had time to do. So, Kirsten, what did you do this week? Well, I actually started some rearranging of the house to get ready uh, for Christmas decorating at the end of uh, November. And I've got a lot of furniture stuff I've got to deal with. And then uh, last minute, I like had to jump on something to pick up some office furniture that was becoming uh, available. I actually got two, a bookcase and a shelving unit. And I'm, I'm just bringing this up because it all came together suddenly. And I, like, emergency texted Jeff for help. And he came through for me this afternoon. And we went and picked up some of that stuff. So thanks again for the help, Jeff. I really appreciate it. I actually might get more stuff next week. I don't know. And if so, I'll have to rent a rent a van or something because it's, uh, it's, it, it's actually worth the money. But... Otherwise, the thing that I did, I spent some time with the inimitable Just Michael and uh, Barry, actually. We uh, we were on Roll20, and Just Michael was giving me a bit of a Roll20 tutorial, talking about map setups, layers, tokens, uh, also giving uh, Barry a bit of a briefer on uh, character sheets and stuff like that. I'm looking at Roll20 as being the the media. Media? The platform. The platform by which we'll do our online D&D stuff, at least for the outset. Um, I So I wanted to make the announcement for all the FuckFest tier um, players <laughs> who are going to get some D&D. Oh, what? Oh, what? The fuck fest? Buck fa- fast and haggis. Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's wow. I'm glad I edited because I thought it was fuck fest and vagina. Yeah, um, I'm glad you edited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. The buck fast and haggis. Just say tier. tier five. God. Well, you named it. I mean, uh, why didn't. If you went through the trouble of naming it, uh, have to use it, right? It wasn't a trouble. So the uh, the fuckfest crowd, we will get to the D and D game, guys. Uh, uh, please be patient. I've got to learn how to operate that stuff and integrate it. I already have basic ideas what we'll do. We'll have pre prepared, pre ginned characters for you. We will jump into one-shots. I hope to get us rolling finally. It'll be probably towards the end of November. So October, we'll roll into November, and then we'll roll into December, and we'll catch up and then be on top of things in December. Once again, you crazy lunatics took us off guard by so many of you wanting to do this. So we're going we're gonna to try to group you by twos. And we'll get you in there with uh, 
D and D enthusiasts like '80s Jeff. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> I like uh, D and D. You know, Barry, Matt, Deb. Probably you'll get to see uh, old slide tackle in action. I'm going to be a problem player. I'm just saying right now. That, oh, that's okay. I'll be a killer DM. <laughs> <laughs> your half, your halfling bard will die every time. So. God damn it. But uh, wait, yeah, you have we'll, a halfling bard too? Yeah. We don't. We all. We're going to seduce right. those dragons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you know what the you know what the dragon joke is. Uh, why do you wrap a halfling in duct tape? So they don't split when you fuck them. Hey, oh, that's is. another thing I did, guys. I actually wrote some D and D jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I actually uh, wrote exactly. some D- what? That was the wrong segue. <laughs> <laughs> I better get some extra AC. Yeah. Holy I, need, crap. I need more duct tape. I wrote some D and D jokes. I I actually spent some time doing that. Want to hear a couple? Yes, I, I do. No, yes, I do. Yes. All righty then. I'm so scared. Let's my fortune see. cookie coming to life. Here we go. So, so these guys are recruiting for a D and D party, right? And they're down to like three candidates uh, for this adventure party. And uh, the 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 adventurers are making the arguments for themselves because, like, you know, the the elf goes, "What? Nobody here likes someone from an ancient civilization." Of great dignity and grace with a magic-infused life. And somebody's like, uh, you know what? You're right, elf. Come on. And the dwarf is like, what? Nobody here wants a warrior born wise in the ways of stone and earth. And a guy's like, uh, you're right, dwarf. Come on. And the halfling goes, what? Nobody here's a pedophile? Yeah, you got a hate on for the halfling, man. <laughs> Two halflings are fucking on the back of the horse. And one halfling is like, this is amazing. I've never had sex on a horse before. And the other's like, fuck you. I'm a centaur. <laughs> okay, that one I kind of like. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I, I, I feel like this is part of the outtakes, Todd. <laughs> uh... And Eaton and Eaton sees a dire wolf licking his balls. And oh, one Jesus. of the wouldn't it be eating his balls? And one of the <laughs> thank you. <laughs> what was that, Kirsten? I missed it. I was laughing too hard. <laughs> yeah. And Eaton sees a dire wolf licking his balls. And one of the Eaton heads goes, God, I wish I could do that. And the other says, I wish you could too. <laughs> hey, Barry, I think we need to change the, uh, the fundraising goal to send Kirsten to a perump brothel. They're all closed, aren't they? They all got a business during uh, COVID? Uh, Apparently they've reopened. Then, yes, absolutely. We need to send him to a brothel. Uh, I'll get it right on that. (laughs) So, so D&D jokes. Good start. Really? Except for that first one. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Oh, you just wait. I got more halfling jokes coming. Oh, God, no. Okay. I appreciate the run. <laughs> I appreciate the burning of energy. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Andy walks into a party of half. No. Oh, actually, actually, here's one that you guys will like. Okay. An imp. Maybe. Equate, 
All right, Andy, just let me finish the joke, okay? Thank you. <laughs> An imp, a quasit, and a pseudo-dragon walk into a bar. The bartender says, what do you have? And they answer, are you familiar with Sprite? Uh, okay, that I made hate, me chortle a little. You. I uh, hate you. I got a little chortle on that, that one. That one you got to think about. No, I know. I hate you. <laughs> Boy, uh, Barry hates the I have, you have to hate. You, you hard have to, no. What do you mean hard no? That's brilliant. <laughs> I like and the last one. like that one. You would, Todd. I did. It's a bartender joke. There you go. You know? Maybe that's why. You, you've been out of it too long, Jeff. You just can't appreciate it no more. I don't think that's why. <laughs> I'm with Jeff on this. Speaking of being with Jeff on this, it's time for a Jeff's bad impression. Let's let's do one of these. This week's the Jeff's bad impression is brought to you by War Room Games on 2510 East Sunset Road here in Las Vegas. If you like gaming, whether it's board game, 40K gaming, hell, get gaming, check them out, War Room Games. Okay, right. Jeff. I, I sent you a link for yep, your I script, have it. right? Okay, you have it. All right. Uh, you're only going to go – okay, I, I will read who sent it. This was sent to us by Norm, all right? Norm sent us this. He Norm. says, hey, I'd love to put in a request for an 80s Jeff performance. He wants the certain point of view dialogue from Return of the Jedi. If Jeff is up to the challenge, I propose the same dialogue performed by Jeff – as Beavis portraying Luke Skywalker opposite Jeff as Butthead portraying Obi-Wan Kenobi. So you'll be doing two characters, Jeff. Uh, actually, actually, I can actually do those. So, yeah. <laughs> we will be the judge. This sounds right. rough, but all right, man. All right. So again, Beavis as Luke Skywalker, uh -huh. Butthead as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. And you're, you're going to, you're going to go as far down as you cannot escape your destiny. Got it. No, don't no, no, no. Let's, 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 let's go just a little bit further. Just a little bit further. Let's oh, go oh, to. Okay. Then the emperor has already won. How about that? Don't fuck it up because we need a palate cleanser after those quote unquote jokes. <laughs> so, so finish before the emperor has already won or finish with the emperor has already won with the, emperor, with the emperor has already won so Jeff I, I, will, I will let you prep as you need to and I, and I want this to be a magnum opus okay so <laughs> Beavis as Luke Skywalker yes Butthead as Obi-Wan Kenobi correct got it alright <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it, R2. I can't go alone. Uh, Yoda will, like, always be with you and stuff. Uh, uh, uh what? Obi-Wan? <laughs> uh oh why didn't you tell me? You told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father. <laughs> Your father was, like, seduced by the dark side and stuff. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. Uh... When that happened, the good man who was your father was, like, destroyed and stuff. So what I told you was, like, true, but, like, from a certain point of view. <laughs> a certain point of view? Luke, uh, you will find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our, <laughs> our, our point of view. Anakin was, like, a good friend and stuff. 
<laughs> when I first knew him, like your father was like already a great pilot. Bullshit. But but uh, <laughs> but I was amazed how strongly like the force was with him and stuff. <laughs> I took it upon myself to like train him as a Jedi. I thought I could, you know, instruct him just as well as like Yoda, but I was wrong. Um, there's still good in him. He's like more machine than man now, like twisted and evil. I can't do it, Ben. I can't do it. I can't do it. Ah! Uh, you cannot like escape your destiny and stuff. You must like face Darth Vader again. Ah, no, no, I can't kill my own father. Ah! Then like the Emperor has already won. You were like our only hope. Oh, good job, Jeff. That's a that's hey! a decent job. And and and, uh, and and bonus delicious crumb in there. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing how that laugh just kind of makes Ben sound like like a complete butthead. <laughs> it it's it's just like really really creepy, really creepy. <laughs> it's, it's funny because as he went on, hit butthead became more and more just sounding more like Jeff until the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> then he would do the butthead laugh and would bring him back into butthead. But then as yeah. he talked more, he just became Jeff. <laughs> it's harder to do when I can't hear myself. It is. Of course it is. And and uh, I got to say, Beavis, wow. Yeah, you, you yeah. did Beavis like spot on. Beavis has always been the easier of the two for me for whatever reason. Um, I can do butthead, but I have to hear myself in when I do the recording. Because otherwise I, I I start to, like you said, start to sound like myself. So, Do we know but, what their real names are? Their real like, names are Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Like, their it's, real it's, it's like, names. Yeah, it's like Bono and Cher. I'm just asking. Uh, by the way, Jeff's next one is going to be uh, Vo- Bono and Cher, so it's going to be great. Okay. <laughs> Bono and Cher, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bono or Bono? Sure. I, that's fine, too. Well, what's wrong with Bono and Cher? What's wrong I don't with understand. Gay, whatever. <laughs> For those of you that have sent uh, Jeff's requests for this, they're coming. There's still more in the works. And if you want uh, Jeff to do a bad impression of some sort, write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com, and uh, and we'll see what we can do to uh, do that. And again, uh, we got more. So those that have sent, don't worry. They are coming. I want to see Jeff do an impression of Torgo, and it'll just be him just vomiting poop out of his mouth for the entire five minutes. It'll be that's a video right. show, obviously. That's not what I sound like. How mad you die in it. Boy, and you guys complained about my D&D jokes. Oh, that's also poop. <laughs> this is going to be a lot of poop. Speaking of a lot of poop, let's do some news you don't give a shit about. Uh, yes! uh, no, why? 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 Let's do it. TheGamer.com is where I got this story. In a recent company earnings call... EA CEO Andrew Wilson, that's EA Games, called planet-destroying NFTs, quote, the future of our industry, unquote. Continuing uh, what he said. I'm sorry, go ahead, Andy. Did the quote include the phrase planet-destroying? No, I put that in there. Okay. No, no, there's going to be a lot of opinion in this. Usually they don't tip their evil hand that much. That's why I want to check. Uh, He also said, uh, quote, I think that in the context of games we create and the live services that we offer, collectible digital content is going to play a meaningful part in our future, unquote, Wilson said. 
Uh, collectible digital content is the entire foundation of EA's Ultimate Team model, which already makes the company a staggering 28% of its annual income, $1.5 billion last financial year alone. Greed appears to be the driving force behind these NFTs. Uh, hell, even Neopets is doing them. Uh, e- e- EA is not the first video Wait, game Neopet- company. Neopets is still a thing? Yes, <laughs> Welcome to Interrupt Shock, folks. <laughs> Sorry. It's a valid it's a valid question. While he was talking shit, I Google Neopets and the first question in Google is does Neopets still exist in twenty twenty one? Yes. Yes it does. With NFTs, as a matter of fact. Well, that's only because Andy had Googled, do Neopets still exist, just before you did that, Barry. (laughs) And that's the first hit Neopets has gotten in, like, three years. And so Google was like, oh, shit. You just employed two, three people. Thanks, Andy. Continuing on, EA is not the first video game company to express an interest in expanding into the new technology. Uh, NFTs are digital receipts that prove, quote-unquote, true ownership of online assets. Even though anyone can have a copy of any image online, only the owner of the NFT will have the the true copy, the original. Who cares? The The main issue is... Blockchain transactions that create NFTs use absurd amounts of energy. According to a report by The Verge, the average NFT has the same carbon footprint of someone using a month's worth of electricity. It's unsustainable. NFTs for video games mean that you could be the only person who truly, really, honestly, genuinely owns an in-game item like a weapon wrap. Or a player skin. You'll get a little icon next to your name or or some marker so that everyone in your lobby knows that you got into debt and burned down a forest just so you could own some purple tiger print camo. Ubisoft has also announced its interest in, quote, play-to-earn technology, believing it will allow players to, quote, actually earn content. Because it's not enough to have an in-game item anymore, you need a receipt printed on the paper of a million trees to prove that you actually own it. Motherfuckers. Uh, I, I, okay, having listened to every episode of the last 10, 20 episodes and you guys talking about NFTs, I actually went through the process of looking at what an NFT actually is. And it is absolute horseshit. I have no interest in any of this. It is straight fucking garbage. Uh, if if you are if you are seeking to to buy NFTs, I need you to seek help, professional help, because they are absolutely not worth any money. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, please 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 stop with these with this crap. It's it's the it makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. I don't understand how they're worth any money. I really don't. It's tulips. It's the it's the interwebs tulips. Yeah, they're worth money because someone out there said it was, and that's the only reason. That's that's the only reason anything's worth any money if you think about it. Like Mm -hmm. I have some old magic cards I know are worth a couple bucks. Like I have like a lich 
that from legends it's supposed to be worth some money i just haven't sold it yet um i'm i don't know why i'm just gonna wait till i get back to vegas and try and sell it uh because i don't play magic anymore because i used to play magic a lot i just have a few cards but the point is these cards aren't worth shit because if you think about it they're just a piece of cardboard or whatever it is these magic cards but this one particular print is worth something to someone so yeah anything's worth anything to anyone and nothing nothing matters but but we've assigned this value to this specific thing and it's like an nft kind of because there's only so many of this lich card from legends um may i disagree with you on this yeah by all means you can touch the card you can put it in your folks it's a real thing (laughs) yes exactly you can play with it it actually serves a function in a game and even yes. if it didn't, even if it was just art, it's still tangible art that you physically own. NFTs is intangible art that you've never owned but claim that you do. Yeah, and it, it's it's so ridiculous because I, I tried explaining it to somebody at work that was asking, like, should I buy this thing? And I'm like, no, you shouldn't. Well, why not? And I'm like, because what you're buying is a virtual token, a token that is nothing but air it's digital currency and the token is just you being able to look at a thing that you like you don't actually own the thing you're renting the right basically to look at that thing whenever you want until the person that actually owns it decides that your token is no longer valid and shut you down it's like when you buy uh it's like when you when you when you buy a video game nowadays where you're getting the license to that video game where they can pull that back at any time and you can't you can't play that game but with an nft uh you have a license to display that piece of art or that whatever that token it unlocks i'm but again i'm not defending this shit i think it's horseshit but uh it's 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 not like it's not like anyone can't copy it it's just you have the license to it. So NFTs have been around for a while. Like when I bought Red Dead Redemption, I had to download a bunch of shit on my Xbox to get it to work and to play it. I got to play it on my Xbox and it's got to hook up to the internet or whatever just to say I bought the thing. So I technically kind of bought the NFT. I just bought it in physical form. Uh, yeah. nowadays. No, 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 no. I'm going to stop you there. There's a big difference from yeah. downloading a game and downloading add-ons to it to something that involves a blockchain to prove that you own it. Well, yeah, there's a difference. But the point is I had to go through more more steps to prove that I own it. Again, I want to stress I am not defending NFTs. I fucking hate them. I think it's stupid. I think that buying, going and buying a game from like GameStop or something is is like the old way of doing it where you physically physically buy something you bring it home and you physically put it in your xbox and you download all the shit that you have to do to 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 play it versus going and buying an nft and and getting the game that way but that's if that's the way things are going it's it's sad but it is the way things are going however to be able to to have to buy an NFT to buy like a picture of Nyan Cat and 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 playing that GIF for someone, that's why I said GIF, not GIF. Fight me. Um, uh, that's stupid. It, it's a we it, we're in a weird we're in a weird place right now. 
you know, where a lot of stuff is digital and it, it's hard to establish ownership. And this is this is the thing that came up, you know, NFTs came up as a way to do that. I mean, I can't blame the owners of it to say, you know, this is the way it's done, but I think it's shitty. There's got to be a better method. Do I have an option? I don't know. No, I don't. Yeah, but you have an option NFTs, to not buy it. It's NFTs are fucking optional. <laughs> NFTs are basically douchebag detectors. Yeah, it's, it's a status. <laughs> That's all it is. That's great. Imagine, for example, you wanted to listen to this podcast and we wanted to charge five bucks a listen. You know, with Andy on it, I don't see that we can charge five bucks, but I'm just saying, let's just say we wanted to charge five bucks an episode. I'm at least a six buck podcast. <laughs> let's just say we did. Would we sell an NFT for that? No, here, here, here's the, here's the, here's no, here's the example you're looking for. Let's say that we sold an NFT of episode Geek Shock 612. That's where we're at. Fine. All right. All right. NFT of it. And somebody out there buys it. Everyone else can listen to it out there because it's out there for anybody to copy and share as much as they like. But so-and-so technically owns it, even though they can't really do anything with it. That's pretty oh. much what an NFT is. Well, that's horseshit then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then maybe my understanding is wrong, and that's absolute horseshit. And why did you did a lot of research to get to that opinion, though? <laughs> Whoa! Yeah. No, wow. no, seriously, that's the research. I'm not kidding. The research is just that's that's where I got to get to here, and it doesn't make any sense, and it's bullshit. I think that's one of the problems with NFTs is they are such bullshit. It it you really have to torque your brain to wrap wrap it around the the concept in in terms of in terms of figuring out its worth if if you're like this isn't worth anything your brain just kind of breaks you know if you have decided this is worth something i think your brain wraps around it and you're like oh okay nfts cool invest but if you're like I, no your brain just breaks on the concept because it just it really, it it really seriously is the fucking tulips of the internet without without the tulips. <laughs> you know, it's like I'll it's show a tulip. I will charge you money and show you my dick, and that image of my dick in your brain is yours. You own it. I sold you ownership of that image. Stop thinking, Andy. And <laughs> it's like, you own that, and it is your image. Congratulations. <laughs> you know, no one else can own that image. People can copy it. I could lay down on a photocopier, right? Or you could even draw it, Andy, a big <laughs> caricature of my dick. But you own no, that image. Don't need a lot of paper. I don't think it'd be a big character. Yeah. <laughs> so, so post it. it. Well, hey, you know, Barry's the king of 8 bit. It, 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 it's just, it, it really is hard to just wrap your brain around it. And I know people who have said they think the future of finance is going to be blockchain. Mm. And I'm just like, oh, those heavy people are in throat punching distance, you should do that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, dude, I don't know. It's just fucking crazy. Did, uh, Todd, did you pick up on uh, Elijah Wood getting, uh, getting a, 
a shitstorm? Uh, no, I did not. George Trossley, uh, a cartoonist who did uh, has done various types of art, including art for Hustler magazine back in the day. And apparently he did some, shall we say, racially controversial art. Wood did a Twitter post where he talked about purchasing a Trosley NFT of his art. Not, not, not of a controversial subject matter, but he did buy a uh, Trosley NFT and he was all like, woohoo, I bought the Trosley NFT, yeehaw. And Twitter came down on him like a pile of rocks. And it has since revealed some of the art that Trosley has done, which is pretty racist. And since then, Trosley has come out and has done the whole, hey, this artwork is was to show racism and, and you know, talk about racism. It's not and it, it, it's gotten very, very interesting. But uh, Wood actually ended up selling that NFT and giving the money to charity, NAACP um, and uh, BLM, over the controversy. Because he was like, wow, I didn't know the art that this guy did in the past. And Am I mixing this story up with the monkey thing from the last week? Uh, I, considering I, it happened yeah. only in the last few days, I would say yes. I mean, there seems to be a lot of crossover in the story. That's interesting. I don't wow. know what the monkey thing is, so. It was uh, about a monkey NFT game where you were all playing fighting monkeys. That, that was a few Eight. weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> I, listened to all three ep- I listened to all three episodes at once, so, yeah. Y'all mixed up my head. All right. <laughs> Interrupt shock, folks. Thank you for joining us. But anyway, yeah, it's it's it was it was interesting. And it's interesting that you bring that up right at this time. It's just like. And on top of on top of the subject matter of the guy's art, Twitter was also piling onto Wood for just getting an NFT. And apparently he's gotten a couple. He's he actually has been buying NFTs. So Yeah. And it's only and then all that controversy only cost about a thousand trees worth of energy per sale. So that's wonderful. There you go. Uh um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't give a shit about John Candy and Dan Aykroyd's 1988 comedy, The Great Outdoors, to some is a classic. According to Dan Aykroyd, a sequel is in development, and it's called The Great Outlaws. Aykroyd and director Howie Deutsch have been working together. During an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Aykroyd shared, quote, Howie Deutsch was a really fun director on the picture. He loved handling candy and me. Howie and I are working on the sequel called The Great Outlaws. I am looking for the the candy figure. There are some really interesting names, but I can't say who. Howie and I are tickled to bring back Roman as a Ponzi scheme guy who victimizes a federal agent. Who knows if I find the right partner, dot, dot, dot. What do you think of Great Outdoors getting a sequel now? 30 years later uh without without uh, john candy yeah i don't i don't know that that works without john candy and that's nothing against dan Aykroyd. i just think the whole point of that film was well i mean the film tend to center around the john candy character it it was that story yeah yeah and then dan Aykroyd's character comes in and then 
eventually reveals that they're broke, etc. But I just, I don't know, 30 years later, with nothing but Aykroyd's character and maybe the, the people that played his family to tie it to the first one, I, I just don't know. I feel like it's just been too long between the sequels, or between the Ac- original and the sequel. Aykroyd's character was not a main character in that yeah. movie. He, he was uh, he was the foil. He was the villain of sorts of the character of that movie. So, if you're going to do a sequel to that, you can't have Candy, right? You got to find this other figure to take his place. So, does that mean this movie now figures on the bad guy that no one likes? You know, I I, I liken it a lot to Short Circuit Two, oh. because Benjamin was a side character in the first one and then becomes the lead character in the second. And it's a character that really wasn't strong enough to carry the film. And that's nothing against Fisher Stevens because Fisher Stevens is an excellent actor. I just think that was a bad choice of a character from that first film to carry the whole film. There were a lot of bad choices in short circuit too. Well, yes, but I mean, you get my (laughs) point though, right? In many ways, isn't that though classically eighties? Because yeah. because now that you're saying it, Jeff, weren't there? I mean, there. I, I, and of course, I'm blank. I've got nothing to reference. But there were a bunch of sequels of a bunch of movies where the big stars kind of like drop out, and secondary or tertiary characters are like elevated to the main character and the second sequel or the third sequel in the 80s didn't that happen that's a mannequin switch yeah you know i mean there were a few that were like that so in some ways that's classic 80s well yeah i I mean andy's right the the mannequin sequel all they did was bring in um they bring hollywood from the first film over and it's a whole new person that's a mannequin a whole new storyline as to how they became the mannequin and a whole new uh male lead that is yeah. one falling in love with a mannequin. So yeah, mm. you're you're not you're not far off. I mean, it's there. a it's a it. Well, Candy's dead because it's like yeah. a a classic. This lead, you know, we're doing a sequel. Well, this lead character doesn't want to do it. Well, we'll elevate this guy. Well, this one's not going to be doing. Well, then we'll elevate. And pretty soon, you've got background characters who like have become main protagonists of whatever the film is going to be. Your your big thing the big thing here is who's writing the Ackroyd? Is somebody actually writing it with him? Uh, as far as I know, it's just the Ackroyd and the director writing it. Because oh, Ackroyd boy. is great for coming with wacky ideas and and bold bold uh, overviews, but he cannot pull. I mean, his his original draft of Blues Brothers is like, what the hell are you doing? Well, so is his original draft of Ghostbusters. So I was right, just, yeah, just going to say that, yeah. Uh, it wasn't until Harold Ramis sat down with him and they started sh- shooting ideas in. off of each other and <laughs> they they came up with a, a film that is very different from what the original proposal was. Yeah, in Blues Brothers, originally the car was magic. It kind of still is, but they just don't but they specifically explain why it's magic. It. <clears throat> yeah, that's, yeah. Matt, see, when you explain magic... Yep kind of kills it yeah yep. then the card loses its value and barry is just right. stuck with yeah. a bunch of cardboard yeah <laughs> we can dig <laughs> yes! yay thank god
We really don't know that much about the upcoming live-action Star Wars series, The Acolyte. The initial description explained it as, quote, a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era, unquote. Uh, but thanks to a new report from the Illuminerdy, huh, we have some new uh, details to share. Uh, the High Republic is set 200 years before the Skywalker saga begins. Uh, the era has only been explored in a series of books and comics so far. It's the golden age of the Jedi. Uh, the series, however, will cover the period of this era where the prosperity of the Jedi comes to an end. The new report says the story for the series will, quote, specifically explore the rise of the dark side in those final days of the High Republic era. The Acolyte has the opportunity to explore the dark side in a way the franchise has never seen on screen before, unquote. Uh, the show is being developed by showrunner Leslie Headland. So it's a little nuggets of what we can expect from the Acolyte. Does it involve the Skywalkers? It's 200 years before the Skywalkers, Andy. Well, no. before the Skywalkers, so, we know. So no, no. Uh, I bet it does. I bet it. I bet we end up getting the well, Skywalkers. Bullshit. I, I, I hate to say wow. it. But I, I kind of ha uh, understand where Andy's coming from because it does seem like a lot of times they still have to tie the Skywalkers into whatever Star Wars thing. A big you know, weird universe it doesn't you all know, have to be taken in the same corridor. You yeah. know, uh, Jeff, Andy, you, you, if you guys are going to do some man-baby shit, the least you could do is try the voices. <laughs> I mean, no, you're kind it's... of insulting Matt and my legacy here by just doing it normal-voiced. It isn't a man-baby thing. It's it's just an observation that they do tend to do that. <laughs> That's just wow. what the man-babies say! Exactly no, we man. blame it on a woman. The man-babies <laughs> yes, can blame it on a woman. Thank you, Barry! Thank you, Barry! <laughs> Exactly what the man babies say. It's just not in the man baby voice. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that they have figured out because you know Andy is very correct. It's one of the things that I, I don't go insane about the sequels or anything. But it was sort of like, why don't you guys get away from this stuff? Because there, because it is so deep. It's the the lore is just incredibly deep. And what the hell are you guys doing? I mean, that's like been my bitch about star trek get out of starfleet and your starships and just you've got so much to work with go right. for it. so i don't i don't understand why people don't like going forward and they're more comfortable going backward can anyone explain that to me why is it easier to do a prequel than the next thing i think hollywood really has this fucking weird thing about sequels literally repeating the first movie it's like you can't just continue your storyline they they almost want to beat for beat repeat that's what they're looking for and if you're trying to do some kind of story that expands it literally fucks with their heads to think in terms of sequel but in terms of prequel oh we got all this backstory to grab from Let's grab it and then go ahead and film it, even though we already know about Tony Soprano or whatever. And I also Tony think Soprano was in Star Wars. I, Kirsten, why did you do that? You knew Andy was here. It's my gift to Andy. <laughs> I pick on him so much. Occasionally, I have to give him a platter of meat. I appreciate the softball. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs>
I think that uh, Hollywood, when I say Hollywood in this case, Disney, needs proof that it will work. Simple as that. They're going to be scared of anything that chases away the money that they're expecting. And that's the big difference. Not money, money that they're expecting. That's why when the Solo came out and they all of a sudden Solo wasn't making the money they expected, it made money. It made lots of money, but not the money that they wanted to make. So then they got scared and they pulled back a little bit. Oh, we got to keep it. The space station plans got into the hands of the rebels. That story did well, but then Solo, not as well as we hoped. But... I think that their fears have been dashed a little bit with the Mandalorian. Yes, Skywalker appeared at the end of that, but it was not a Skywalker story. That was just a little candy flavoring at the end. And nothing about that series was about Skywalker. And people loved it. And I think it made Disney breathe a little easier. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a very good point, Todd. Uh, and it's funny too, because rogue, uh, Rogue One, I think, succeeded despite that it was doing kind of the p- prequel thing. That might have that might have spurred some interest, but it was actually, it, I think, it was actually a pretty well crafted movie. It was well made. It, it and it it hearkened to a lot of the things that Star Wars does. Well, because you know, one reviewer actually pointed it out. Hey, folks, when you get down to brass tacks. Star Wars movies, especially the original Star Wars, it's a war movie in space. Rogue One did a Vietnam war movie in space rather well, whatever its story. And I think that's the reason why the thing succeeded. It wasn't even so much the whole prequel thing, although that certainly creates hype around it. Solo, on the other hand, I think it was well-meaning, but... Yeah, they they, they tried to give the fans what they thought they wanted. Right. And I enjoyed Solo. It's not even like I hated the movie. but It was was a good movie, but uh, it had some man-baby backlash. And that's who they made it for in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, really. You can't please the man-babies half of the time. (laughs) But you gotta please the man-babies part. I don't know. I, I forget how Lincoln said it, but... Uh, I think it's basically you can please the man babies. You can please none of the man babies none of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Boom! Mike Dries, Jeffrey Gunter. A live action series titled Ahsoka is reportedly in the works at Disney Plus, and Hayden Christensen is returning to reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker in the upcoming series. Rosario Dawson will reprise her role as Ahsoka. Christensen is also set to reprise his role as Anakin for the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi limited event series headed to the platform next year. In Star Wars lore, Ahsoka and Anakin Skywalker share a long and complicated history, at one point fighting alongside each other with Ahsoka as Anakin's Yoda-appointed Jedi Padawan. Earlier, Disney teased it had hinted that Ahsoka will tie in with the other Star Wars series at Disney Plus to eventually culminate in a sweeping TV event, one that brings their storylines together in the same way that Marvel Avengers movies serve as the epic finale payoff for the MCU's character-based films. Uh, longtime Lucasfilm ally Dave Filoni will reportedly write Ahsoka. He will executive produce alongside with the Mandalorian creator John Favreau. Okay, Dave Filoni, I'm, I'm hopeful. Because Dave yeah. Filoni knows what the hell he's doing, as opposed to 
you know, George Lucas, who wrote Anakin at that time as just a, nothing but a whiny little bitch. Uh, Dave Filoni wrote Anakin a little better. Um, at least uh, we, we just don't talk about the first season of Clone Wars because I don't I don't think he was in charge of it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very I'm very hopeful with, with Dave Filoni in charge. And uh, I'm hoping that we get to see Anakin. I have no I have no knowledge of this, but I'm hoping that we get to see Anakin post Vadering. You know what I'm talking about? Like post him becoming Vader uh, and possibly not being a little whiny bitch. Uh, because no, 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 seriously, it'll make his character stronger. Mm-hmm. It, it'll it'll make him it'll make the audience appreciate his character. If we get to see Anakin Skywalker as not a whiny little bitch, which right. is all all we saw him as in episode two and three, and all we saw him as in season one and part of most of two in uh, in Clone Wars, so that's what I'm hoping for. But in Rogue hey. One, he was a badass. He was a total badass in Rogue One. <laughs> Dave Filoni's Clone Wars, that version of Anakin is so necessary to actually finish off the tragic arc of Darth Vader because oh. it did it didn't work in the prequels, uh, as Barry would say, a whiny little bitch. What the prequels did is made Anakin such a bad guy before he was Vader that you didn't care what happened to him. Um, yeah. he, from the from the second movie, he slaughtered a a whole tribe of of sand people, women and children and all. At that point, he's an irredeemable character. He is yeah. a bad guy, and no matter what he does, heroic for the rest of those movies, you don't care because he slaughtered innocent women and children. That doesn't include the atrocities of part three. Yeah. Clone Wars actually gives him the heroic arc that character needs so that you give a shit when he falls over. Yeah, he's problematic in Clone Wars and he slowly starts to succumb. And and honestly, like the last couple episodes of the Clone Wars, he just goes straight downhill. He's right down uh, like a fat cow from a helicopter. Just boom, right down. Um, But... uh, Pardon me. Padme, however, uh, <laughs> kind of ex- yeah, deal with it. She, she accepts it, accepts him th- during the whole series, and they're apart for a lot of it, honestly. So, really, there's not much for her to just turn a blind eye to. There's no excuse for her bullshit. In Clone Wars, does he show any remorse for any of the the quote-unquote evil deeds that he's done leading up to his fall? Because, no, not at all, no. Okay, because I was going to say, that was the big thing in episode two, where, like you were saying, Todd, you don't really give a shit what happens to him in episode three when he falls, at, because he's done this irredeemable thing. And, and even, like, post-slaughtering of the Sand People, when he's talking to Padme about it, he shows no remorse. Yeah, he's crying for part of it, but he's screaming, I hate them. And it's like, okay, so you're not really sorry that you, you're showing no remorse for slaughtering all of them. All you've done is you're upset that you didn't 
kill more of them, it seemed like. <laughs> I, I swear, a, that's what it felt like. It's like he, uh, He's just a petulant child. And then Padme's yeah. like, oh, poor Anakin. I want to get that. <laughs> <laughs> broken man syndrome. Yeah, really broken at the end of the third movie. Oh, yeah. She, she oh. really should have gone after him. But, yeah, she was dead. She, she was busy at the time, yeah. I can fix him. Thank <laughs> <Not> you. <laughs> yes, let's yes. not put the blame on Hayden Christensen, who no. is a, he's an actor, man. You know? No, he's he's good. Let's I've seen him in other make, things. That yes, let's make sure that we know who is at fault. That's George Lucas. Wow. Yeah. Actors can only do so much with the scripts they are given. This is Especially for me, if, and I have I have been a part of the five hundred first crew that gave him his honorary membership. Well, I mean, oh. perfect example. If you see any of the behind the scenes stuff, like when he's basically micromanaging how he wants the actors to perform a scene. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clear he had a, for lack of a better term, he had a vision of how he wanted things to be, but he wasn't collaborating with the actors trying to get performances out of them. He was trying to get them to do exactly what he wanted them to do. Because, let's face it, you have one of the best actresses on the planet, and he's trying to tell her how she should react as Padme. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're, you're, you're really going that micromanaged deep with this right now? Instead of letting her be in the moment and do the scene? Yeah, dude, this is... Yeah, we all. I think we all understand that there's lots yeah, of problems yeah. with with Star Wars. It, Tiny it, bit. No, but it's quite clear they should just give it all to Ryan Johnson. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, clearly. I, I, I'm I, actually, I'm actually for that. I yeah, want, I want that trilogy. Where is that? Bethesda will be celebrating ten years of the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim this month. And to commemorate the milestone, fans will be treated to a celebration. Uh, this celebration uh, will include a once-in-a-lifetime concert performance featuring the sounds of Skyrim, as well as the opportunities for fans to display their artwork and grab some free content. This takes place on November 11th. The Skyrim concert will feature the London Symphony Orchestra and London Voices Choir. It's going to be taking place at the historical Alexandra Palace Theater. The concert will be streamed on the official Bethesda YouTube and Twitch channels beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on November 11th. Uh, the musical event will serve as a tribute to the anthem songs and sounds that made the game so special while also celebrating the players that made it what it is today. Yeah, all those years later. <laughs> many, well, many, many I'll I'll, con <laughs> well, I'll confess, I love those concert series stuff, you know, having the full orchestra perform that stuff. That's awesome. I, I've been to a couple of things like that where it's just, it, it sends chills up your spine. And I will be the first to give Skyrim bullshit for dragging itself out release after release after release over the years, but... I can absolutely appreciate a 10-year anniversary milestone for a game that was groundbreaking for a lot of people. Okay, so I don't really I, I, I can get this one. I haven't cracked that game yet, so don't, I own it and haven't really? cracked Really? So. Uh, Andy, you will crack that game when you don't want your life anymore. Ow. Andy, you need <laughs> to get in on that game now. <laughs> Ow. 
Yikes. That, what, are you, that, what are you doing? Knowing <laughs> what Fallout New Vegas did to you, mm. uh, Skyrim will take up much more of your life than that did. Oh, my God. And it'll be more worth it. Yeah, probably. Well, New yes. Vegas. New Vegas is great. Not as good as yeah. Skyrim. Does Skyrim take place in Vegas somehow? Or? Sure, sure it does. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, a lot of appeal to me was the uh, weird, the weird knowing kind of the territory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> old, old snowy Vegas, but yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do some red light, green light. Red light, green light. Such a fun game to play. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you say. They're gonna make this shit in. Oh, All God. right. Yeah. All right. This, uh, this red light, green light's brought to you by Alternative Reality Comics at 5300 Southeastern Avenue, right down the road from War Room Games. So if you've visited one, why not go down the road and visit the other? But if you need comics, you go see Ralph at Alternate Reality Comics here in Las Vegas. Just don't do it before your <laughs> uh, scheduled movie appointment time. <laughs> Just, just, just don't do it if you think Biggs is watching the the, the watch. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's time for a few more pitches. I got four more pitches sitting in front of me. We only have enough money to green light one pitch, so each of you only gets one green light. All right. So whoever will count them all up. Whoever has the most green lights will be what we back, and one or more of these may be fake. The Shows we are considering are History of the World Part 2, Doctor Who Regenerations, Adventurers, and Perry Rodan. Those are your choices, and we'll start with the first one. Mel Brooks's 1981 film History of the World Part 1 is getting a Part 2. Hulu is producing a variety series follow-up titled History of the World Part 2, and Mel Brooks is returning to write and produce the series. History of the World Part 2 is a sequel up to the original film, which was made up of segments set during different periods of world history. The stories told were set in the Stone Age, Ancient Rome, and the French Revolution. It also featured musical numbers, including one about the Spanish Inquisition and the, quote, Jews in space, unquote. Hulu has ordered eight episodes of the series and will also be executive produced by Nick Kroll, Wanda Sykes, Ike Barinholtz, Stephen Stassern, and Kevin Salter. Brooks said in a statement, quote, I can't wait to once more tell the real truth about all the phony baloney stories the world has been conned into believing are history, unquote. So what do you think of History of the World Part 2? You had me at Nick Kroll and Wanda Sykes. I really, I, I enjoy their humor. I think their their humor would 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 do history of the world very well. Yeah, he's producing it right. He's not doing all the writing. He's an old guy now, but he gets involved in his projects. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he's involved. He's a great producer. He produced a lot of great movies. I, I just want to go back to something that Andy brought up. He is writing and producing the series. Is he writing everything, or does he have co-writers? He's probably going to have co-writers, but he is yeah. writing. That was that's your that's question. That's fine. That's fine. He just needs somebody to massage it and bring it into the current time, so he's not telling an uh, endless series of borscht belt jokes. 
Yeah, worst belt jokes. The man is 95 years old. Yeah. Let's be clear. <laughs> but he's also still one of the funniest people on the planet. Yeah. Like, did you see any of the True. lockdown videos like during COVID where he did a couple of the videos? Um, no. Yeah, no. They're, they're on YouTube. Guy's still funny. I, I, you had me at Mel Brooks. I mean, Barry yeah. says Wanda Sykes and Nick Kroll, but like as soon as you said Mel Brooks was writing and producing, I was like, done. Thumbs up. Yep. Green light. <laughs> Want to see if he still got it. So, I'm, yeah. yeah. If you uh, enjoy his music, there, if you're on YouTube, there, he got, got the Kennedy Awards at some point or something like that. And they, in between the, the people praising him, they did a whole bunch of his, his, his songs with whole production numbers to it. So I mean, it's like Richard Kind doing the uh, the Inquisition song. The Inquisition. Oh my God, I, I love the Inquisition song. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, on YouTube, somebody strung all the, the the musical skits together, and it's great to watch. It's, it's like probably half an hour long, and it's it's you know, at some point Martin Short comes out singing "Blazing Saddles" on top of a giant fake horse. It's nice. Just, it's delightful. Next up, we have. Doctor Who Regenerations. Russell T. Davis of Bad Wolf Productions and the BBC have announced in the first in their expansion of the Doctor Who universe, now known as the Who-niverse, Doctor Who Regenerations will be an animated show featuring episodes set throughout the Doctor's many varied lives. Quote, we are excited about the storytelling possibilities open to us with an animated show. Everyone has a favorite doctor, and we look forward to being able to create new stories with much-loved doctors, companions, and enemies from across the entire Hooniverse, said Davis. Uh, David Tennant, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, Christopher Eccleston, and Tom Baker are reprising their roles as the doctor. Alex Kingston, Billy Piper, Jenna Coleman, Karen Gillan, John Sim, Derek Jacoby, and Michelle Gomez are also said to be involved. So what do you think of Doctor Who Regenerations? Oh, I love did this say, idea. Did you say Christopher Eccleston's going to do it? He did? Yes. Hmm. He's come back and done a few uh, of the audio novels they've done. Yeah. Eccleston is actually one of my favorite doctors. I wish he'd done more. Uh, I, I, this is a great. I mean, this is kind of what they a little of what they did with What If, and that they brought back actors who might not be playing the role anymore because they might not look like that anymore. And yeah, they they did other stories with it. And I, I love that idea. I think that's a great idea. I like it as well. I think uh, this this uh, this this could actually get me watching a little Doctor Who again. So mm -hmm. yeah, I I agree. Russell T Davies was the best showrunner for doctor who uh the latest stuff i can't even watch i think it's i think it's completely unwatchable uh but that's part of but, your hate that's part of your pretty hate machine <laughs> my whole existence is a whole pretty hate machine but I, this is i would that like, is part. i would like to put an objection to the word pretty in this statement oh no no we're owning the word pretty He's got, the lovely, he's got the lovely lady hair. Come on. Barry was seduced by the dark side a long time ago. <laughs> or or did he seduce the dark side? No. Oh. Yeah. the hair. Yeah. It is I the hair. like all the things you're saying. The point is I also <laughs> like Doctor Who Regeneration with Russell T. Davies. He oversexed the dark side. <laughs> Why do you think I'm... Okay. 
there was a there's, point in there's my your life title. Where it is true that I probably was, but it is not now. <laughs> We're just so loving that this is killing you. <laughs> you think of all the shit we have ever said about you in the past ten years, this <laughs> is getting you. It's it's amazing. <laughs> It's it's because it's not true, and I wish it was. <laughs> he thinks he does protest too much. <laughs> mm. oh, All right. Next next up, we have Adventurers. Netflix has given a series order to Adventurers as a half-hour live-action comedy from Alex Hirsch, creator of Gravity Falls, and Greg Daniels, executive producer on Space, Space Force and Parks and Recreation. Here's the description. When a tabletop role-playing game run by a suburban housewife, Ellie Frupp, gets hit by a bolt of lightning during a freak storm, she discovers that her players have all had their personalities taken over by the characters they were playing. She now has to help a barbarian, thief, cleric, bard, and wizard survive the real world, guiding them through mundane tasks such as taking out the trash and walking the dog, and of course there's the matter of jobs. The adventurers will have to learn that in the real world, not every problem can be solved with a sword or a fireball. So what do you think of adventurers? First off, there is not a goddamn problem I have right now in the real world that cannot be solved by a fireball. <laughs> so I call bullshit on that. Anything I ha I can't think of a damn thing like it can't be solved by a fireball. Uh, um, a bottle of fireball. <laughs> no, don't don't give me that face. Put that, put that face back in your head. There's nothing that fireball can't solve. A fireball is a different story. So what do you think of adventure is? Uh, yeah. It seems to be the age for this kind of story. Although we've had a lot, actually, we actually haven't had a lot out of books so far. So far, it's been a lot of book stuff on this. The Jumanji ish of it, I guess, it's got some potential. It's kind of a kind of a reverse Jumanji, which I, I guess, on a conceptual level, I'd be like, oh well, hmm. But uh, I'm not. I'm. I'd be more interested in regular folk going to a fantasy world and trying to figure their shit out. You also Which, have the Steve Trevor Wonder Woman eighty four problem, and like, what happened to these these people who's got zapped? Where did their personalities go? That is gone. I know. I know. Uh, I, yeah. mean, I, I mean, I uh, mean, obviously, one of the storylines will be teaching the bard about condoms. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Barry. See, I should have waited until this point to tell my D and D. No, 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 no. <laughs> The bard is going full vasectomy. Come on. <laughs> and finally, we have Perry Rodin. It's a German production coming to Netflix from Baron Boadar and Jante Frise, the creators of the critically acclaimed German sci-fi thriller Dark. When astronaut Major Perry Rodin discovers a marooned alien ship on Earth's moon, he embarks on a journey across space and time where he encounters mutants with strange powers, advanced alien races, and cosmic beings with godlike powers, unquote. 
The show is based on the Perry Rodan series of books, the best-selling science fiction series of all time, having sold approximately 2 billion copies worldwide. The series started in 1961, has featured multiple authors, and has been published weekly since. In 2019, it published its 3,000th issue and has been translated from German into dozens of languages around the world. Odar and Frise say, quote, like all German sci-fi fans and many more around the world, we grew up reading about the adventures of Perry Rodin. We are delighted to be able to bring the joy and sense of wonder from the books to the world via Netflix. So what do you think of Perry Rodin? Is it a graphic novel published weekly or is it a it's a prose thing published weekly? I'm pretty sure it's a prose published weekly. Wow. Okay. At least the the book collections I've seen, they're they're tiny books, they're short books. They're not yeah. they're not big, deep, thick novels. So it, it I think it's kind of episodic in that way. It's very space opery, so I have to say that actually sounds that actually sounds kind of uh, exciting. So, so what you're trying to say is it's the Grand Ole Opry, just in space. I'm sorry, Grand Ole Opry? Wow. Yeah, that was, that was partly my fault. <laughs> Unlike serving up a softball to Andy, I, I kind of, I don't, I don't know what I served at Jeff You robbed a fungo to Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you pitched an underhand to Colombastro. <laughs> I have to admit, I didn't know much about Perry Rodin when this news came over the wire. But when I looked into it, I was amazed that I hadn't heard of it because of just how friggin' big this is. We talked about it briefly once or twice in the past, but okay. never of any any real depth. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a European phenomenon. It really is. Have any of you seen Dark yet on Netflix? No. If you don't mind subtitled shows, it's great. It's a very dark time travel story that gets really, really twisted as it goes on. I have to say the the people behind this are solid. They don't have a they don't have a dub for uh, Jeff Todd because time uh, travel. You know what? They might. Uh, I I rarely look for that, but right. I got a feeling it doesn't. Look for it, Jeff. You, right. you might have something new and wonderful to discover. Man, I don't know anything about Perry Rodin. So far, it's just saying, hey, we're going to make a series of this. That's it. And I don't know anything about it. So, obviously, it's probably real. And it's probably something big that I've just never seen. I don't know. I got nothing. I got what no is- details on Perry Rodin. I don't even know if it's a guy or a girl or a human or what. <laughs> I got nothing. You give me was, nothing. I believe it was gendered as male. I believe he said he at some point. Um, yeah, whatever. You give me <laughs> my favorite. My favorite story from the Perry Rodin is when he fought with Godzilla. There you mm. go. Done. Love it. I liked it when he was sculpting the thinker. Oh, oh don't love it. <laughs> Very big in oh, Europe. Don't love it. Perry Rodin is the space opera of the David Hasselhoff of space opera. Very <laughs> big in Europe. And I think we've got, uh, w- are you okay there, Barry? Yeah, buddy, you had me at David Hasselhoff. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Don't, don't hassle the Hoff, man. I, uh, I sold it to Barry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> are you getting a cut? 
With the half? Uh, <laughs> oh, the half is uncut. No. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I mean, the, whoa, that's an NFT do I don't want to buy. So there you have it, History of the World Part 2, Doctor Who Regenerations, Adventurers, and Perry Rodan. Where do you want to put your green light, Barry? History of the World Part 2, without question. Andy, where do you put your green? Uh, I am torn between History of the World and Regenerations. Uh, let's go with History of the World because let's give Mel one last hurrah. Jeff, where do you put your green? I'm also for History of the World Part 2 because uh, I really enjoyed the first movie. Uh, it was silly fun, and I have been craving some Mel Brooks cinema for a while, and uh, I, I feel like this could be a good one, even though I guess it's a series, as you said. Uh, 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 point of order, how dare you? How dare you, Andy, say give Mel Brooks his last hurrah when Spaceballs 2 is slated for production sometime really? in 20, really? 20XX? Wow. <laughs> I was unaware. At some point in the in the future. I don't know. Yeah, it, was, it was in the first movie, Andy. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So was Jews uh, in Space, and that hasn't come out in 40 years. Yeah, well, well you know, guess what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> They'll be burning down those California forests in no time. Mm-hmm. Kirsten, where do you put your green? You know what? Adventurers, I'm not. Nah, mm. Perry Rodan, you know that is actually that. That's some big European stuff. I think we got some euros coming in with that one. Now, despite Barry's admonition of Andrew, I w- I'm leaning towards Generations because that I'm very, very interested in what they do there. Uh, but Regenerations, because Generations was a Star Trek film, but. Andy, you know, saying let's uh, let's uh, get some more L, uh, Mel Brooks out there. I'm gonna go with History of the World Part Two. I'll, I'll I'll let's make it a clean sweep. A clean sweep, nice. That it is. So we're gonna back History of the World Part Two. So that being said, uh, which of these do you think are fake, Barry? Adventurers. Adventurers seems fake because. Uh, a TTRPG run by housewife and players taken over by personalities seems cheap. And, uh, I, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think that would pass muster. So no, I, I believe that adventurers is fake. Andy, what you think's fake? Torn between Perry Rodan and adventurers. The other two, I'm pretty, well, I know. Well, yeah, never mind. Um, I, I'm actually going with Perry Rodan. I think it's one of those things that should be done, but isn't being done. Jeff, what do you think's fake? You know, I, I honestly think Perry Rodan is the fake one because contrary to what Barry said about adventurers, that sounds like exactly the kind of thing that Hollywood would do with uh, role-playing games because they don't understand them. And they would put together that kind of schlock as a real thing. And I have to confess that I actually do know uh, one of these is real uh, because I already read that article. I won't say which one until you reveal it, but uh, as, I, as do I, go, I Jeff, that's why I shut myself off. I, I go, I got to go with uh, Perry Rodan. Kirsten, what do you think's fake? I'm going to go with adventurers because I don't want it to be real. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't. But. 
All right. The fake one was sent to us from Aussie Matt. And oh, the God. fake ones are Adventurers, Perry Rodan, and Doctor Who Regeneration. Three! Motherfucker! Three, really? Both of you suck. (laughs) Which means that the only real one, History of the World Part 2, the one we greenlit, is the one that's actually in production. There you go. And uh, I just want to read this little note that Ozzy Matt sent uh, regarding the Perry Rodan books. He wrote, those books are directly responsible for me becoming a geek. I found one in my house my family moved to when I was really young. The cover with one amazing spaceship smashing through another hooked me instantly. And I've loved science fiction ever since. So thank you, Ozzy Matt, for putting together this beautiful plethora of Mm. shows. Cafe. To, uh, what is a plethora? Uh, Perrodan. Okay, seeing a cover of a of a sci-fi novel bringing you in, I I totally understand that, and that's I'm thank you, man, for for sharing that because now I kind of want to read it if it brought you in, but you know also fuck you for three, uh, you know, the awful <laughs> things, and I mean I can see them doing regenerations because. They do a lot of weird Doctor Who stuff. They do the radio stuff and they do the comics and whatnot. I can totally see them doing regenerations as, a, as an animated series. And honestly, I would watch that if they did it like that with the I, voices of the old guys. I the think voices don't age as well as, as 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 faces do. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the only one that really hurts me. It's fake. The other two, I'm like, all right, well, okay. But man, I really, really wanted to see regenerations. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, Russell T. Davies is coming back as showrunner uh, after this season. Many of those actors have done audio novels as it is right now. So who knows what the future holds? Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what, you, you didn't like my who knows? Yeah. No, certainly not. I, I really didn't, no. <laughs> I want I want to see Barry's character go on the great quest, adventure after adventure, war after war, empires falling, civilizations crumbling, and he finally makes it up the mountain to meet the old sage and answers whatever the sage has to say with a, eh. <laughs> <laughs> the adventurers would have sold me if it was Felicia Day playing the housewife. I would have been like, what the hell is she thinking of? But I see what you're saying, Andy. If someone could pull it off, it would be her. There you go. Yes. Let's, let's phrase it that way. And if you have a pitch to send to us, write to us. Comments at GeekShockPodcast.com. Put pitches, bitches in the subject title so I can pick it out quickly. And I want to put a big thank you to our Tier 5 supporters, Leon Mitt, Jeff Harris, Jake Godbold, Ozzy Matt, Martin Tierney, and our Fireball Whiskey Tier, King Vald, uh, Deb, and David Farrar. We really appreciate your support and all of you that have supported us on this Kofi to, to really help make this show better. So thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. And I also want to put a thank you out there to King Vald one more time because he sent us a one-time donation this week as well. So Really appreciate you for that. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check Dandy. Vlarg! We'll talk to you next week in Geek. And uh, congratulations, Snoop, too, on uh, on winning the uh, mini. The first mini <laughs> of many to go. Mini yes. minis! Woohoo!
Now, are you going to include a backstory for the character that Minnie represents? No, I'm going to paint a Minnie and give it away. (laughs) (laughs) Backstory is that some call him Tim. (laughs) This Saturday, November 6th, Vegas Valley Comic Book Festival. Yes. Thank you, Kirsten. I'd forgotten. Yes. I'm I'm not involved in this one because I'm not there, but uh, it'll be wonderful, I'm sure. Is this still at the uh, location on Flamingo? It is. Okay. Yay. And our Barney Gordon will be there. Oh, good. Barry can can rub shit in her face. Whoa. What? Wow. Barry's giving her shit, man. He's like, wow. Well, he was giving Star Trek Prodigy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So no, Bonnie Gordon does a great job, man, in, in her role. I was just giving Prodigy shit because it's just All simply right. not for me. Yeah. I don't know, man. Sounds like splitting hairs to me, man. Uh, no, no. Yeah, I'm splitting hairs. I'm saying, you know what, man? You know, if you're a Star Trek fan, but you're our age or, or somewhere within, like, the next five, ten years of our age, then you know what? Maybe it's not for you. But yeah. if you're for younger, if you're a younger crowd and you want to get into Star Trek, by all means, you know, do it. Barry had Anymore. nothing but good good things to say All about right. Bonnie Andy. <laughs> All right. I never work with Bonnie and I love her. Uh, I, I actually am a very big fan of her band. I never work with her either, to be honest. Well, geez. I, wonder Dude, if I, I quit Star Trek in 2003. She was there later. Yeah. I guess it was just you and I, Kirsten, that worked with yeah. her. Yeah. She was and she was there. She was there in the last year, and it was just a couple months. She she uh, was smart <laughs> and bolted before we closed. So figured her shit out and is doing her thing. God bless her. I think she's doing some song sets, and she is also doing a little voiceover seminar uh, thingy where she'll be talking about voiceover acting. Will one of her tips be don't drink a bunch of fireball before you do voiceovers? <laughs> there you go, Kirsten. Go get yourself some tips. Yeah. You know yeah. what? What, Barry? Just smear some shit on your face. Why don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to tell everyone who's listening, fireball is absolutely not the official drink of G-Shop. <laughs> It's just a horrible thing that happened to some people. That's about Make sure it. to vote on that in the lair, monkey. Uh, correction, Barry. It's not something that happened to people. It's something that people did to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's there's Jeff's alcohol, uh, Las Vegas alcohol training uh, program speaking. Mm. And And what's really cool about this whole exchange is the fond, joyful memories that you can see on Todd's face as we discuss it. <laughs> the, the sheer look of disdain. The I'm gonna kill you. 